My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's U.S. Open Deep Dive Preview. We're getting into the analytics. We're getting into the prognostications. We're getting very much into the nitty and the gritty about outcomes for the U.S. Open. This edition of Fairway Rolling presented, as always, by our good friends at Callaway Golf, where you can find the brand new podcast featuring golf legend Johnny Miller. You clearly are a fan of great golf podcasts because you're listening to this one. The day after the U.S. Open is completed, Johnny Miller sits down with Chris Harrison, who you know from The Bachelor of Bachelorette, that whole thing. He's also lesser well-known, a terrific golfer, a deep golf aficionado. He sits down with Johnny Miller, whose credentials need no further explanation. The podcast is called Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller. And it's available at CallawayGolf.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller, presented by the Callaway Golf Podcast Network. Today's Fairway Roll and also brought to you by Golf Digest School. Birdie Buddies, you want to improve your golf game this season? Get access to the biggest names in golf instruction like Butch Harmon, David Ledbetter, Jim McClain, and Hank Haney with a subscription to Golf Digest Schools. You can send videos of your swing to be analyzed by a Golf Digest ranked teacher, and you get yourself a one-year subscription to Golf Digest Magazine as part of that. you All you have to do, you use promo code FAIRWAY to get 30% off an annual subscription. You go to golfdigest.com slash access. Use promo code FAIRWAY. You get 30% off that annual subscription. It gives you a subscription to both the magazine and all the instruction you can handle at Golf Digest Schools. Oh. 
Hello, friends, and welcome once again to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, this is another major championship edition of Fairway Rollers, the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. This is our Wednesday edition of Fairway Rolling, where we get with some experts on the ground to help you navigate how you're going to allocate your capital, who you're going to put in your one-and-dones, who's going to go into your DFS lineups. We're trying to give out some intelligent options using some intelligence from a couple guys who know what they're talking about. Paul Cohurst is on, former caddy at Pebble Beach. He was raised on the Monterey Peninsula. We put PK on this podcast to help us understand what the conditions might be like and what kinds of attributes we want out of these guys. Of course, if it's a major championship, Justin Ray from the 15th Club is on to give us what his analytics are saying. He's physically there at Pebble. He walked the course uh, uh, today. He's sharing with us what the the numbers seem to be suggesting about guys who can have some success. And of course, we can't have a major championship preview without a few selections from our our, our beloved Harry Gagnon of Against All Odds. The first tee appears to be open. Let's walk over there, stick one in the ground with our homie, Paul Cohorst. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee, qualifying from the Pacific Grove Golf Links. He hails from Pacific Grove, California. Paul Cohurst, welcome to Fairway Rolling. Thanks, House. I appreciate you uh, having me on. So, so PK, this has been a long time in, in the making. We connected earlier this year. I knew of your background as an avid golfer. I knew you grew up in Northern California. I knew your credentials included caddying uh, a, a large number of rounds at Pebble Beach. And here we are on the eve nearly of the United States Open, the 119th edition to be competed at Pebble Beach. So I, I had to have you on. Uh, welcome to the show. I need. I needed a guy. We we need a guy with with a true boots on the ground uh, perspective because the thing is, what we get of Pebble Beach, what the public has in their mind's eye, is the AT and T Pro Am in February, which is you know on the among the 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 events on tour, probably not the most serious event. And while it's beautiful, and I always enjoy watching it uh, in February from the East Coast, it's not really a good indication of what Pebble Beach is all about. So we have this U.S. Open, like the U.S. Opens competed at Pebble Beach in uh, 2010 and 2000. It might as well be a different golf course altogether. And so we need the perspective of someone who has lived that life, live that Monterey life to help us understand what's going on here. I think you're the guy. Let's share with everybody your, your, your bona fides, your credentials. So I'm from the small town of Pacific Grove, which is just outside the gates of Pebble Beach there. And um, I got my first job as a caddy out there uh, at age 18. I started out cleaning carts, 
eventually moved into, into being caddy. And, and for a, a young golfer, I mean, you can't imagine a better place to work. I mean, you have, uh, you know, I, I had real experiences there. Eddie Van Halen came to play one day and he needed me, needed me to bring him a six pack of beer on the golf course. Uh, Gary Carter pulls out a baseball uh, from the trunk of his car and like literally play catch with Gary Carter. I mean, just had the most insane, unbelievable pebble beach experiences. And then, you know, you get to be on that golf course, you know, all summer long, and it's just heaven on earth that place. And now, as a as I'm older, and you get to watch the you know the history of the tournament, it's just great to be able to have a, a connection to the place and a connection to the course uh, through all these years. So you just mentioned all summer long as a caddy, which is really what I want to talk to you about because this episode of Fairway Rolling that we're, we're publishing here uh, on the eve of the U.S. Open is uh, de- deliberately geared towards trying to help the listening public figure out who might be able to win this thing. And when we're getting into the nitty and we're getting into the gritty PK, the weather and the conditions matter a lot. In fact, we just had a stark reminder of how much weather and conditions, the impact they can have on the outcome of a major championship by watching the PGA Championship at Bethpage Black, where the wind kicked up on Sunday uh, afternoon and and literally took out you know twenty potential sort of contenders. The only guy that that really shot under par uh, at all was was Dustin Johnson. And our boy Brooks Kepka was was limping to the finish with a bunch of consecutive bogeys. And that was because there's a 35-mile-an-hour wind going down out there that Sunday afternoon that, that you know, problem wasn't necessarily in the forecast. And nobody really uh, saw it coming at the beginning of the week as potentially having an impact on the outcome. So let's talk about Pebble Beach and your experiences there um, in that summer and what you anticipate in terms of the playing conditions that the guys are going to f- uh, be be confronted with um, in this week? Well, the days that would worry me as a golfer would be the ones when it's hot. And that's not what's in the forecast. Today, for example, it's super sunny out there from what I'm hearing, low to mid-80s. And those are the afternoons that it's a beautiful Picture, postcard, beautiful day, and then you're just getting your butt kicked the entire way in. And that there's something about that's beyond me as a meteorologist, but the, sun, the, the calm, sunny days that are warm in the morning, the crazy wind comes in offshore and dry out the greens, blow the ball over the place, and uh, it becomes impossible. And, you know, the same problems, you know, that they had in uh, over the years with it, where these greens have gotten dried out. Uh, those are the real conditions that are going to get these guys in trouble, and we're going to see really high scores, the mid 70s scores. But with the forecast being cool, like I'm seeing some days high 50s, the early part of the day, it's looking like it's going to be beautiful. And those days, I think it will actually be a bit of a cream puff. And I personally think the scores will be lower than usual. So the forecast right now has the winds maxing out in like the 10 miles an hour, 11 mile an hour kind of range. Now, um, adjacent to the water, you'll get gusts occasionally that might go up into like the 15 to 20 mile an hour range. Um, 
what holes in your experience are are most likely to be affected by that kind of uh, uh, wind impact? I think the biggest hole, I think the biggest challenge will be the really nervy tee shot. You know, the tee shot at seven, that which is always a wedge, uh, which is always a sand wedge, but it plays as much as the five iron and the crazy gale condition. But even when you're hitting a sand wedge, depending on that pin placement, you got to hang that shot over a bunker the entire way. Um, that becomes, you know, an intimidating shot for, for anyone. Um, I mean, it's the reason that the, you know, people consider it one of the greatest holes in the world. And it's a hundred yards, uh, because it's an intimidating shot. Um, and I think that all the shots along the ocean, I think the shot in the eight, which, you know, Jack says is the, the best second shot in all of golf, the long iron, you're going to have to hit into nine. The long iron is going to have to hit into 10. Um, those are the shots that are going to be brutal and challenging shots. And I think one thing that we're likely going to see is all, all the way down the ninth hole, all the way down the 10th hole, that is where that crazy rough that Patrick Cantley showed off was um, on uh, in the video the other day when he showed his bulbs getting lost basically just off the, off the fairway. Yeah, those areas not only are they savage. I mean, it's real. It is really impossible to find a ball. There's no galleries down that right side, so players will be relying on a Australian marshal to find their golf ball, <laughs> and now they have three minutes to do it. And I, I, I think that that'll be a weird storyline. I'm, I'm predicting at some point someone's going to lose some balls on parts of the course where there are no marshals because that rough is so deep. I played it. I'm an old fart. I played the course in 92, right before the, the last open there. And I was a really good golfer. I was a, you know, by most standards, I was like a, a, a low single digit handicap. And usually I would shoot right in the 38 range for nine holes. I was a couple strokes out of medalist shooting 49 on the front nine at Pebble Beach. Uh, because you would literally be, you know, 10 yards off the fairway and you would not find the ball. And so those conditions are, are what we can expect. I mean, and when it gets windy, you know, the, the driving is going to be really, really difficult. And, and, and some, and, and some of those shots, for example, um, the third shot, the a third hole, uh, the tee shot on number three, you put that, that ball long up on that bank and you hit that shot back into the wind. Cause that wind is going to be coming off the ocean an impossible shot the, you name it the entire part of the course from four to ten you're going to be getting hammered by the wind and then even on the way in 12 becomes a really impossible par three when you're hitting that dead into the wind 14 can actually play into the wind and that's already an impossibly long par five and then of course you come around that last the last turn there 17 in 2010 players could not even hit that green. It was so rock hard. And 18, especially if you're playing for U.S. Open, becomes one of the most intimidating tee shots in all of golf. So a little bit of wind, especially in U.S. Open pressure, when there's this history of guys backing in Pebble Beach, um, you know, uh, Gil Morgan in 1992, shot 81 when, when the Open was, U.S. Open was basically his. And then Dustin in 2010, shot 82. These guys have the U.S. Open, but with some wind, with some pressure, uh, it becomes a, a really impossible task. 
And and even though the forecast doesn't have the wind up in that, you know, 1992 category of of, you know, full on a uh, gale storm that Tom Kite went out and 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 won in, you know, 35 mile an hour winds, not none there's nothing in the forecast that suggests that that's possible. Your your observation is that even like the steady state when in relatively docile conditions um, is enough to you know cause guys. It's it's the combination of nerves and the championship and just a little bit of breeze that will get guys um, unsettled. Is that is that your observation? And let's add that they are the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. Right. I think the average is thirty five hundred square feet per green. They're tiny greens. And so um, when you're hitting out of rough into those greens, uh, when you're, you know, when you can't slide a ball properly, it becomes um, incredibly challenging to hit those locations, you know, those, those pins that are tucked on those tiny greens. So yes, absolutely. Even a little bit of wind will affect the scoring. That said, the reason I think the scores will be a little bit lower this year is Pebble Beach is still this is really kind of an infomercial for Pe- for Pebble Beach. You know, Pebble Beach doesn't want the course to look terrible. In past years, it's been criticized for the greens being super bumpy and terrible. It's been criticized for the greens looking brown at U.S. Open, and that's embarrassing. And no, you know, the company doesn't want that. They want to, you know, fill that course with five hundred fifty dollars rounds. I mean, they had golfers playing the course up until last Wednesday. So I think that they want the course to look more playable and to be somewhat more playable. And they had a few greens in that 2010 Open that all had to be rebuilt to be more fair, including 13, including 14, which is borderline getting impossible with the, the huge turtle back, 17, number nine. So they've rebuilt all these greens to make them a lot more receptive to scoring, and they've added hundreds of square feet to all these greens. So I think that the bigger greens, sort of the taming of some of Pebble Beach's most notorious greens, are going to make it much more scorable. And that's why I'm thinking the scores will be closer to maybe an eight under would be my guess. Wow. that's So I yeah. was asked this question yesterday, and, and just based on the early things that I'd seen, um, I thought it might play akin to the way that Oakmont played. Now Oakmont, you know, the green speeds of Oakmont are, are can't be replicated anywhere else on planet Earth. But just in terms of that that format of of narrow landing areas, rough adjacent, you know, very proximate to the fairway, uh, and then you know, hard to hold greens. I I thought like you know somebody might go out and shoot five under or six under. There might be one or two other guys in that one under. Uh, or even range, and then everybody else will be over par. Eight under is a whole a whole different um, deal. I'm glad that we're talking about the greens because I wanted to ask you. There there have been reports already about this version of the greens being the the best they've ever been. Jordan Spieth said these are the best POA greens he's ever seen, and so your your observation about um, the Pebble Beach Golf Company. Wanting to put on a, a good show uh, seems to 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 bear out. The other thing that uh, the USGA came out and said they are go- definitely open on Thursday and Friday to syringing. Syringing. I'm going to use yeah. that as a verb. PK. 
That's just putting a little little light wa- light layer of water, a little bit of moisture to keep the temperatures under control in between the Thursday morning and and Thursday afternoon and Friday morning and Friday afternoon rounds because there's a hundred and nearly 160 guys playing uh over the course of thursday and friday and the days are going to be long right it's it's 15 and a half hour days the sun comes up yeah. around 5 45 in the morning and you're going to have guys 160 guys out there walking all these things and and they want to try and keep it under control um what do you think is, is the, the what do you anticipate with with uh the information that you've been um observing and what what your own experience is what do you anticipate out of the greens well, Pebble Beach is a workhorse. It is a course that is open 365 days a year. And, you know, in peak season, there's 425 handicaps trudging all over those greens a day. So those greens are designed to uh, thrive, but they're not designed to maybe go to the edge where U.S. Open wants them. Um, I think that they don't have to push them to that edge because there's so much undulation and enough speed on those greens all 17 of the 17 of the greens have that crazy back to front slope and that is this incredible defense along with a little bit of speed they become so difficult to putt that i don't think they need to push them right to the edge uh because they're challenging enough they're literally challenging enough on a regular june day when there are those 25 handicappers playing, it is a challenging, those are challenging greens to put on. The other thing I think is it, a part of it, the tour golfers don't seem to like those POA greens. I think they criticize them because they have uh, all that budding that happens in the afternoon, yeah. um, which some people say is a myth, but I've seen it. They, they just don't look as good at the end of the day. They just pick up more spike marks. And I think that the Pebble Beach Company and the USJ is sensitive to that, that they do not want to have a course where the greens are bumping on a Friday, uh, pardon me, on a late Sunday afternoon. So I think that the, the, the greens will be fast enough and uh, they, with the natural slopes that are in there, they'll have enough defenses without having to really push the greens to the point where they're going to lose the golf course. I mean, I think the other defenses of the course uh, are going to really uh, have to sort of suffice uh, instead of really like, you know, having those greens teeter on embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, well, look, um, I, I like this lay of the land that you're kind of creating here. I'm going to push you a little bit. I want to, to get your thoughts on one or two uh, professional players that you may have your eye on, because uh, this episode, this is where where uh, we want folks to have some I- intelligence uh, as they think about their their DFS lineups, their fantasy lineups, their one and dones, their, how they might allocate a little bit of capital. Name name for me based on your experiences there a player or two that you have your eye on going into this uh, 119th edition of the U.S. Open? Well, it's interesting because I thought about this in one way. The, if I was to be optimistic, I would say, hey, who's the player who's going to put the ball in the fairway a lot and is going to hit a lot of greens and score and actually go out and win the U.S. Open? Or 
who's the player who's going to be able to scramble? Because I think one of the biggest problems going to be the greens are going to, uh, pardon me, the roughs around the green are going to be so juicy and thick. That is going to be a huge storyline, I think. The ability to get up and down from around those greens is going to wind up being a massive storyline, I think. Especially if there is a little bit of wind. You know, when Kite won in 1992, he credited his lob wedge for winning that tournament. And I think that that could be a big, a big factor this year. Yeah, it was incredible. Like I watched a replay of his um, back. No, no, his entire round. There was like a seven minute vignette. And he got up and down from everywhere. It was an incredible short game performance. Everywhere. And so I think that that's, that is kind of one of the tougher shots. I was uh, at the um, AT&T two years ago at the practice area, and I watched uh, John Rahm in a really heavy section of rough and, and honestly looked like he was in this section of rough kind of practicing maybe for what the U.S. Open conditions would be because he was hitting chips out of that for a solid half hour. and Maybe he's working through something, but part of me felt like, well, I don't know, I wonder if he's kind of in the super heavy section of rough here to get a feel for what it might be in the U.S. Open. And it was impo- it was crazy to see how much a guy like him, who has a you know world-class short game, struggled controlling distance, controlling the way the ball came out. Um, so, so really, his ability to, to, to control the ball out of that rough shocked him like looking like a two-handicap sort of hacking it out of there. Yeah. So I would say in some ways, I think that sets up well for Phil. You know, oh, wow. No one, no, one loves, no one loves West Coast golf more than Phil. No one loves Pebble Beach more than Phil. Um, I think that, I'm not saying I'm predicting him to win, but I think that that is one advantage you really have in the field is the ability, uh, his wedge uh, game and his ability to go up and down around those greens, I think is gives him a real leg up on, uh, on the rest of the field. I do have a player who I really like, and it's a self loathing pick. I mean, it's not Patrick <laughs> Reed's dad that you guys did yesterday, but this one, this one, I'm, I'm a little bit upset with it. My heart says Cantley. Again, a West Coast guy. Not those poet greens. The East Coast guys don't love the poet as much as those West Coast guys do. And a guy who really, you know, cut his teeth playing in the Southern California Golf Association was a UCLA stud. Cantley grew up playing this kind of those kind of greens. So I think that's a big advantage for for a guy like him. But I'm going to throw I'm going to throw out Matt Kuchar at fifty to one. Wow! I think so. Um, here's a couple unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I and I and I'm and I'm fully on the uh, and it's a self loathing pick. I'm off the Kucher train from all the shenanigans of this year. Shenanigans. Look at the stat. It, it's it, it's embarrassing. He's, yeah. he's embarrassed himself time and time again <laughs> on all these incidents, <laughs> from the rulings to the to the cheapness and whatever. But yeah. you know, glass houses and all that. But Kucher, he's a top twelve bunker player. There's 118 bunkers on Pebble Beach golf course. You can't hit eight. You have to be on point with your sand play. He's third in greens and regulation this year. So he's getting the ball on the green. He's top 10 in scrambling. He's top 10 in driving accuracy. He's top 13 in birdie. So he's actually converting those greens and regulation. 
And in 2010, he had a top six at Pebble Beach. Not only that, he's, he's played kind of mediocre in the U.S. Opens. He's kind of been uh, right in the 16 to 25 range year in, year out. Last year, he actually missed the cut. But I think he's, I think that he could be Tom Kite 2.0. He's totally under the radar. There's all these other great storylines. And there's this great storyline sitting right there. Chance for redemption and a chance to finally get that best player without a major monk jockey back. I see a lot of great things uh, in the numbers for Kuchar that he would be a great pick at 50-1. to 1. I, I'm convinced I had him already kind of lined up for, uh, I'm going to play a gigantic, make the cut parlay because I like to set money on fire. Um, but he is one, he's, he's one of the guys that I had in there, uh, because I saw, um, an anecdote where I was reminded he shot and you, you just referenced this. He shot 68 on the Sunday on the, uh, the final round of 2010, it was the day's best number. He, he, he and uh, one other guy yep. shot 68, I think, uh, on the day that Dustin Johnson shot 82. And, you know, um, that, that having that experience, like, in your memory banks on a, on a, on a Sunday, uh, you know, when the, when the title is still up for grabs, I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, so maybe I'm going to start looking and at him for some. For, for some of the top 20s and top 10s also. And, and uh, I think I love it for a top 10 because especially a guy like him who struggles to get over that hump and that narrative yeah. is definitely in his head. But there's a lot of Pebble Beach that is a field course. There really are a lot of uh, less than a course that's a birdie fest. It really has a lot of field, especially on the green. And for a guy like Kucher who Cutting hasn't been his strength. Knowing that he's had some some success on those dreams, it you know, makes me feel a lot better putting my hard-earned money on him as well. Well, th- this is great. You know what he's available at right now as a top ten uh, finisher, four to one plus four hundred. If you want to put a little bit of capital on Matt Kuchar to finish in the top ten at the 2019 U.S. Open, we're not going to do any better than that, uh, Paul Cohurst. That's a size, that's 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 a, a very safe bet, and that's my yeah. I have some money left over from uh, my Warriors push last night, so I'm uh, <laughs> maybe I'll throw it that way. I I I think that's the uh, uh, only way for that money to go. PK Paul Cohorse, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you are going to be coming on as the rest of the season kind of uh, balances out here. Should have mentioned as part of your credentials, PK. You wrote a piece for Golf Magazine, still available, golf.com, last year, ranking the players in the movie Caddy, Caddyshack. So uh, uh, we have a lot of, of uh, territory to continue to cover, my friend. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, I, I sort of want to add that one thing that, uh, that I, I didn't get to add is that I think that this open, you know, people always rank the, they always rank, people always rank the majors. And everyone's like, well, what major would you want to win first? And everyone says the Masters. And then what's, what's the second one? Well, it's either the Open or the U.S. Open. And then fourth is always the PGA Championship. But within that, the winning a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, I think, is such a big deal. 
And it's like winning a, an Open at St. Andrews. And I think that that kind of ratchets up the intensity and ratchets up the specialness that this, this event is like uh, unlike any other. So anyway, it's something that I, that, that I think is pretty cool about it. But um, Well, that, that certainly plays into the observation uh, that you made about you know what what are what's the nerve factor because he, he, we're going to have slight breeze we're not going to have the big gale force winds but slight breeze plus nerves and the heightened uh you know anxiety that comes from a pebble beach us open i like it i like it as a storyline uh for this thing and there was a funny thing by the way i looked back at that 2000 us open that tiger won in a in a walk look at the rest of that leaderboard the entire top 12, I think there's only one round over par. And it was literally, I think, that all those guys, knowing that there was no pressure to win the, to win the U.S. Open that day, because the, the tournament was already done, Tiger had run away with it, there were no real crazy high scores. No guys were throwing up beforehand. No guys were worried about catching Tiger. So it's amazing when you sort of have this almost controlled version of a, of playing Pebble Beach during U.S. Open conditions. When there's not the element of, oh my God, I could go home with the trophy. The course played, really, the scores were very benign. So it's so funny when you really think about, oh, the pressure of maybe winning the trophy completely changed it for, for all these guys. So it's really fascinating to see that once the trophy was out of play, these guys were carrying the course up pretty much. I love it. I love it. Thanks, House. All right. Thanks, PK. You know, one aspect of the golf course that we didn't touch on, the driving range, is going to be a hot place to go check out some exciting stuff going on with Callaway Golf this week. Callaway makers of the Chrome Soft Truvis golf balls, currently available right in time for Father's Day in two new patterns. They have an updated version of the Stars and Stripes that they uh, debuted last year in advance of the Ryder Cup. These uh, Stars and Stripes are going to be in play at the driving range at Pebble Beach by all Callaway staffers. So if you want to try and get one of those guys to toss you one, by all means, go over to the range and try and smile nicely at one of the Callaway uh, staff pros. There's also an incredible, super limited run of suits which refers to card suits. That is aces, diamonds, clubs, spades. These design patterns are on these Truviz golf balls. You can order them right now, but there are not very many of them. Get yourself over to CallawayGolf.com. These are Chrome Soft golf balls, which means tour, proven, distance, and performance with unparalleled feel. One sleeve of each suit is in a dozen so if you've got a loved one in your life that enjoys playing cards, uh, maybe these are the balls for them. Or if you have a loved one that loves America, the Stars and Stripes are the ones for them. Chrome Soft Truvis, available right now at CallawayGolf.com. Now let's take a little break. All right, my thanks to Paul Cohorst. Boots on the ground at Pebble Beach. Incredible. We have Justin Ray coming up, but first, quick word from Zip recruiter what if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job right now zip recruiters technology can do that for you just download 
the Zip Recruiter job search app and let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. The Zip Recruiter technology starts doing the work for you. Zip Recruiter app finds jobs you will like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, Zip Recruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can go ahead and apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. Listeners of Fairway Rolling should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download this free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. Ladies and gentlemen, from Houston, Texas, he qualified out of Dove's Dread Golf and Country Club. Welcome to Fairway Rolling, Justin Ray. How's it going, buddy? Hey, man. How can you not be fired up? How can you not be fired up? This is, it's not just U.S. Open Week, it's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach Week. And you are literally at Pebble Beach as we speak. Am I right? You're correct. Uh, I'm, I'm making a point. You know, a lot of weeks, if um, if you're in a TV compound, uh, you could be on the moon and it wouldn't make a difference if you're at a golf tournament. Like, it, it doesn't really matter where you are. You're just kind of in your own little universe in the TV compound. I make it a point every day if I'm ever here to walk along the course, to take it all in, to make sure I definitively no, I am absolutely at Pebble Beach. Take advantage of the situation. So, um, walked around on the course today. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, it's going to be an unbelievable week. Yeah. So let's start with that. Um, in your observation of, of, uh, how spectacular it is and the weather forecast looks pretty benign. Uh, we just had a, a, a former caddy at Pebble kind of walk us through what we might anticipate in, in a kind of the June version of Pebble Beach versus what we have grown accustomed to watching it competed, uh, played in February at the at the AT and T Pro Am. What did you see? Uh, you know, with your, your your own two feet and your own two eyes walking around out there today. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's set up by the USDA. It's a championship week, so you know the rough is going to be pretty gnarly. Um, you know, in February, usually the rough's around two inches. It's about three and a half or four most of the course here, so. Um, it's, it's tough. It's, it's going to be, you know, it, it, history says that the rough isn't that penalizing at Pebble beach, but, um, that's kind of relatively speaking for us open and not so much, uh, for maybe you and me or any other, like Ted handicapper go up there and pack it around. The rough's going to be tough. Um, you know, the greens are small, um, but you know, it, we're not expecting any rain. Um, you know, the wind shouldn't be too bad. Um, so, you know, we'll see what the scores look like because, uh, Mother Nature certainly isn't going to throw too many wrenches in there, so it's kind of going to be it's going to be on the players and and how well they can take apart this iconic championship venue. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I'll say right now, like maybe seven or eight hundred par wins. I think it could be uh, something around that neighborhood this week if the conditions hold up like this. Well, I, I have to uh, uh, just hit pause for a brief second. I, I I promise to all of our listeners that you and I did not compare notes on this before you came on. Our guest, uh, immediately preceding you, Paul Cohurst, uh, former caddy at Pebble Beach, said he thought the winning score of this U.S. Open was going to be eight under. 
And here you come, okay. Justin Ray. You're 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 backing them right up. You're making us all look smart. You're making me look smart for getting you smart guys on the the podcast. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit uh, about your work, your analytics, what you're doing uh, with Fifteenth Club in terms of identifying um, the the performance measures for this week that are going to be, in your view, um, crucial to uh you know that that bright line between success and and utter failure at pebble beach yeah so i know i mentioned the rough is gonna be a little more difficult but history says um you know in terms of how players are penalized by that rough it's about on average i'm not just talking about in the u.s open it's pretty average in terms of just a regular pga tournament week to week so even though they grow it up just the nature of the golf course itself lends to rough not being that penalizing which might explain why someone who's super wild off the tee, like Phil Mickelson could win five times here during the Pro-Am. So um, that gives you a little bit of a, um, it's kind of a microcosm of what the impact of the rough is off the tee. It's not going to be, it's not going to be that severe. It's not going to be that dictating of, of guys, um, whether or not you score low or not. Brooks Kepka said today um, at his press conference that he's only got to hit about four drivers a day. And that's the other reason why the rough isn't that penalizing because it's not very long. Guys are able to lay back. Um, hit four iron, hit three wood, whatever it might be off the tee and control their ball flight off the tee a little bit more. So that being said, it, I, to me, it's virtually impossible to win a U.S. Open without you know, having absolutely excellent iron play. Um, U.S. Open winners hit on average about 13% more greens and regulation than the field, which might not sound like a lot, but that is, I mean, that's a pretty large number compared over um, guys who are going to finish in the middle of the pack. The average field rank of the last 20 U.S. Open winners in green and regulation is about seven on the dot. So that's much higher than a lot of the other statistical metrics when you look at over the last 20, 25 years in terms of U.S. Open winners. Um, and that mirrors a lot of what we've seen at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in recent years. Each of the last eight winners of the Pro-Am were ranked in the top 10s in green, top 10 in greens and regulation. For the week. So um, you can't win at Pebble Beach without having stellar iron play and you definitely can't win a U.S. Open without doing that. So, um, you know, the greens on the at Pebble Beach over the last 15 years or so, um, they are the most difficult on the PGA Tour to putt between 3 and 12 feet. Um, so that's probably not a surprise to anybody who's watched golf on the West Coast um, over the years. You know, events like um, Farmers Insurance at Torrey Pines or, you know, one of the other events where it's got the polo grass that's a little bit difficult and getting a little bumpy during the afternoons. Um, it, it's, it's tough statistically. It, it proves that out over the long haul, over about 15 years. It's it's about as tough as it gets on those middle, uh, intermediate range to short putts. So, um, you know, I know Brant Snedeker gets a lot of love, that pop stroke and how successful he's been in, on some of these types of greens. Um, other guys we've pinpointed that are better on polo than other surfaces traditionally are Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, uh, Adam Hadlin's really good on polo, Cameron Smith. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys who, who know how to, who have got experience. Maybe they grew up on the West Coast, played a lot of junior tournaments in California, or they just had a lot of experience as a pro on these types of greens. And I think that experience is going to pay off this week. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Snedeker um, because you know he is kind of a darling in in the DFS uh, lineup kind of realm, and also you know as guys look uh, as, as people are looking at. Um, players to put on in, into matchups potentially, or for somebody like me, I'm, I, 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 you know, love to throw cash away. So I'm going to play a gigantic, <laughs> you know, eight guys make the cut parlay and Snedeker is going to be one of the guys that I include in that. Um, but you know, his, his West coast track record, two wins at Torrey, two wins at Pebble all on POA 
for sure that that reputation, you know, is is well deserved. But I I didn't I wasn't aware of Justin Thomas, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned him. I uh, we're going to talk about this uh, over the course of this conversation. I my view of the way that that you know the sort of status of professional golf right now at this moment uh, and what's going on with the tour. I think that there are only about 10 to 12 guys with a legit chance of winning this golf tournament. And I don't think it's going to be somebody coming from um, the back. It's going to be somebody, you know, that's, that's in this cream of the crop realm. I think it, it, it tends to um, discount because of, of how competitive it is uh, a, a potential first time winner, but, but a caveat on that um, because I, I, I think, Patrick Cantlay has as good a chance as anybody to win this. There are one or two guys who would be first-time major winners that I'd make an exception for. But for the most part, my mm-hmm. list of guys that can win this are, are all major winners. Justin Thomas is on my wild card list, uh, and I was encouraged by what we saw out of him up in Canada last week. It looks like the wrist issue is behind him, and he had a pretty damn good ball-striking week. He, he stunk on the greens. Um, now those greens are POA, but it's a different POA. It's can, you know, he was in Canada. He wasn't yeah. on the, on the West coast. What do you think about Justin Thomas this week? I think it's all about the health of the wrist, as you mentioned. Um, okay. and like you said, it was encouraging to see him play a lot better in Canada last week. Ball striking numbers were good pretty much across the board. Um, he is, he gains about a half a shot per round in his career on POA, whereas he's about dead, even 0.00 baseline, um, throughout on all other surfaces in his career. So basically he's about a half a shot better putting per round on pull than he is on other surfaces, which was really revelatory when, you know, my, my, one of my colleagues came up with that number. I thought I mean, that's pretty staggering. I wouldn't really think of him as being real successful on those types of greens. Um, but that's what the numbers bear out. So um, if he's healthy, you know, he's as good a ball strike as anyone. His game carries anywhere, obviously. Um, and he's got some success putting on these types of greens. You know, it's kind of encouraging. You know, I, I know he probably hasn't been as much as a factor in the major championship since he won at Coil Hollow, but um, the numbers bear out that, you know, if his wrist is feeling good, you know, he's got as good a stat as almost anybody in the field. And he likes the U.S. Open. He's got a good track record of, of high performances uh, at, at the U.S. Open. So he, he's on my list. Let me, um, if you don't mind, if you'll indulge it, go through my list and and then get your reaction of, have I included somebody that I shouldn't include? And then, you know, who, who am I leaving out? Um, any, any glaring omissions? So my list is okay. Tiger. Tiger in all caps. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. I have uh, <laughs> Brooks because you have to have Brooks. You can't be a sentient human being and not have Brooks Kepka in a major. DJ, uh, right. impecca- an unparalleled. Uh, you know, paralleled only by Tiger Woods uh, performances at at Pebble Beach. Patrick Cantlay just mentioned him. Jordan Spieth as a winner uh, at Pebble Beach, and you know, rounding into form that third place at Bethpage, where it really felt like he, you know the status of his game was such that he didn't have any chance at all. But he putted so brilliantly, he put himself right into the top five. Jason Day, because of his love affair with, mm-hmm. with Pebble. Now, I had included this guy that I'm about to strike. I had included Frankie Molinari because of the kind of game that he has and um, how it felt like to me the performance he had at the Masters was kind of a U.S. Open type of performance, which is saving pars from all over the place. But he 
feels like he may have caught a bit of a cold spell lately. And in your newsletter yeah. that went out this morning, you shared uh, the fact that that since um, you said through 65 holes at the Masters, he'd only made two bogeys. And then he hit the ball in the water on 12, and it all went to hell uh, from there. Yeah, he's he bogeyed 20% of the holes he's played since. Yes. Yeah, it's, he hasn't really, really recovered. It's turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I, I want you wonder if that kind of lightning in a bottle he found in major championships the last couple of years, uh, it's tough to say that's going to just go away. But, look, he outperformed what he was for 15 years as a professional in those majors in an 18-month span. You can't expect that to go on forever. I mean, we've got so much more of a history for Molinari to go back on where you've got to think that I know he had a distance, uh, but at some point, like he, you know, he, he, you see a guy for a decade and a half um, with the putting struggles he had throughout most of his career was always a really good ball striker, particularly with his irons. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe we've kind of, he probably was playing a little bit above his head for 18 months or so. And more power to him. It was amazing to watch. He see some incredible things on the golf course. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's in that, I know he's seventh in the world right now, but he might not be quite in that pantheon of players this week going into the U.S. Open. Well, I, I drew an X through the name uh, when I saw he's never finished in the top 20 in nine previous uh, U.S. Open. So that that's enough for me. He's off my list. Uh, okay. the, the wild cards I had in here, Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas was one. We covered him and Matt Kuchar. So yeah. uh, that that that's kind of my list. That I I think the winner is coming out of that list. Now there are two names not on that list: Rory McIlroy. Two big ones you haven't mentioned. Yeah, and Justin well, I have Rose. Two other big ones you haven't mentioned yet too. Uh, oh, good. Neither okay. Of those guys. Yeah. yeah. So let 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 let's so hear, funny, let's first hear your what? your big names. So the two you haven't mentioned yet that I think need to get attention are John Rahm, who in ten starts in the state of California has two wins, six top tens, and a scoring average under 69. He loves playing these types of golf courses. Um, he doesn't have a huge history at Pebble Beach, but I think he is as excellent a ball striker as he is. I know that you know, you're know you not going to have to pull as many drivers this week, obviously. That's where he gains most of his shots, um, you know, strokes gain-wise, is off the tee. Um, but you know, the success he's had on these types of golf courses in California, on these kinds of greens, one, it got his first PGA Tour win at Torrey Pines. One in Palm Springs. Um, I think he's somebody you've got to consider. Um, and the other guy finished. He's the so he's European and he's got the second best score to par at the U.S. Open the last two years. Tommy Fleetwood shot sixty three the last round he played in the U.S. Open. I uh, mean, uh, I, I know I, don't, I know Tommy's on. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I know Tommy's probably not at the top of everyone's list who's an American golf fan, but. I mean, look, he's got, he, he's still in a propensity to show up in big moments, whether it was the Ryder Cup or the U.S. Open the last couple of years. Like you I said, the only guy with a better score to par the last two U.S. Opens than hey, Tommy Fleetwood is Brooks Kepka. Um, he's the first English guy more than 100 years to finish in the top four in consecutive U.S. Opens. He's got the game to break through. I, he's on my short list of guys who could potentially win their first major championship this week. So I'm, I'm petty. I'm a petty person. I admit it. I, I own it. Uh, I I can hold my nose and indulge uh, uh, John Rom because of his impeccable record in California. 
he really disappointed me at uh, Beth Page. Uh, John Rom did. Yeah, me too. He, he, it I was, was really so high on him at Beth Page. <laughs> well, and and I had him. Now look, you, I I talked about how I like to light money on fire. Um, I had an eight way parlay that was paying nearly oh, four God. to one odds. And the reason that I, that make the, this was a make the cut parlay, right? This is eight guys to make the cut and it was going to pay out in four to one. You know who blew it for me? John Rahm. And it was just Rahm. Wow. Yeah. But and I, I, I part of the last guy you thought. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right about that. I, I, it, it was, a, uh, I can't remember. I had a couple guys further down the list, um, that made the cut that I I I was willing to like you know uh, concede that they might not do it. Rom hurt my heart. I mean he 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 upset me. <laughs> well, clearly, <laughs> I I cannot. He's mine too. He's, well, he's I, the missing link on an eight-way parlay. I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> Tommy Fleetwood is a whole nother matter. I have a level of of um, upsetment with Tommy Fleetwood. And his final rounds this year have been alarming. His final rounds in good in in, in tournaments that matter. He shot a seventy eight at at Bethpage. He shot a seventy four at the Masters, and he shot a seventy three at the Players Championship. And in each of those instances, he took what should have been you know top five, potentially top ten finishes, and jettisoned. You know the the all of his hard work over the course of, of the week with these these grotesque uh, 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 outcomes. Now e- each has its own unique set of circumstances, but when I see three Sundays at tournaments that matter, um, you know I I see him uh, in this kind of form. It looks like a trend to me, Justin Ray. What what, what should should I use to as as a counter argument to that? That the last time he played a Sunday at the U.S. Open, he shot 63. Yeah, but that was Shinnecock. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly. I, and I know it's different, but, I mean, I, I, look, I've seen enough from him at the U.S. Open the last couple of years. He the, has the ability to grind out pars. He limits his mistakes, which is much more important at the U.S. Open than making a zillion birdies. It's much more dictated by limiting bogeys or worse, not making big numbers, you know, t- you know turning – Make taking your five on a par four, taking your medicine, and not turning it into a seven or an eight. He's a very smart player. Um, you know, I I I don't like him here as much as I did at Shinnecock. Um, yeah. Primarily because he's not as he's he's a he's a world class driver of the golf ball. He's pretty good with his irons relatively to you know to the rest of the world, but I wouldn't call him in the he's not in the Tiger Woods. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson type class in terms of iron play. Um, and I put Patrick Cantlay in that class at this point too. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen enough from the US Open the last couple of years that I have to at least consider him on the list of okay. guys that you had there. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'll, I, I can get there. And I mean, you know, and the, and the, and the pro case for him, he's currently fourth in strokes gained off the tee, eighth in strokes gained tee to green, eighth in strokes gained total. If you're in the top 10 in strokes gained total coming into this, this uh, U.S. Open and you're a guy with a track record like he has at the U.S. Open, you know, it, you, you, you need yeah, to, to look. Yeah, it's well, worth a look. You had a list there, and I'm not saying like, like one of my top three guys. I'm just saying he's somebody who's got to be reckoned with this week, and I, I'd be surprised if he's not part of the storyline, at least going into the weekend. Okay, I like it. I, I I accept that. All right, two guys not on my list. Two two gigantic titans of the game not on my list. Two guys with U.S. Opens uh, to their credentials. 
Rory McIlroy and and Justin Rose. I have my reasons for leaving them off. Tell me why I'm a moron for leaving them off. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I call you that for Rose. Um, I'm not as I'm not as you know big on Justin Rose this week. Um, you know, he's typically a little worse throughout his career putting on polo than normal, but it's not a gigantic difference, so that doesn't scare me away. Um, Tee Green numbers are still really good this season, but they're all down just a little bit from a year ago, from two years ago when he was, you know, that's this stretch here, the last 36 months for Justin Rose has been the best golf of his career. And his ball striking number is just a little bit down from that stretch, which is kind of concerning. Um, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience at Pebble Beach. He finished sixth a couple of years ago in his debut. He played one other time and wasn't a factor. Um, but, you know, he's got the game to win anywhere on the planet, but I understand just not taking him this week simply for a myriad of factors and because there's just so many other big-name successful players who I can give you tons of reasons to take for. Um, as far as Rory goes, um, so Rory last week in Canada, he finished in the top six in the field in strokes gained off the tee, approach the green, around the green, and putting, which if that sounds like it's difficult to do, it's because no one had ever done that in a full field event before. And oh, wow. Time. Okay. Yeah, so that kind of well-rounded golf, we kind of wish that he kept it in the holster for one more week and brought it out at the U.S. Open. Um, but anytime somebody is able to put together that ensemble of unbelievable golf, you know, going into a major championship, you've got to at least consider him. I'd also say that, you know, statistically through the bag, he's playing the best golf of his career. He's got better uh, metrics through the bag right now than he did even in 2014 when he won the Open. Uh, the, the Open, Bridgestone, and PGA consecutively. Um, he's gaining more strokes. Uh, he's got a, the best strokes gained total per round on the PGA Tour since Tiger in 2009. Um, he's playing unbelievable golf right now. We don't have a ton of info to draw from Rory on this golf course. He's played the Pro-Am once, missed the cut. Uh, nine years ago, he played in the U.S. Open as a kid, missed the cut there. So we don't have a ton of info there. Um, but as far as just just the unbelievable level of play that he's put together, I know some people probably will have a sour taste in their mouth about him betting because, you know, he was obviously such an enormous storyline heading to Augusta National. Um, he had such a bad, he had such a bad start at Best Page, and then somehow it looked like he was, you know, trunk slamming Friday morning, and then he he picks up the pace and finishes in the top ten. It was an unbelievable turnaround he had that week. It didn't ultimately matter, obviously, because he was so far behind. But um, you know, he's got everything through the bag right now. What he did last week in Canada. Yeah, you know, I, I'm probably not going to put any money down on him this week, but I might feel like an idiot for not doing it. <laughs> and I'd probably be mad at myself if I didn't. I could, I could see why I would, you know, not be pleased with that choice because he's just got everything going right now. Well, at a minimum from Rory, we we think that there's one streak that he can break, which is uh, he's missed the cut at the three previous U.S. Opens. We right. we would yeah. we had, we would expect him to make the cut this week, right? Yeah, you have to think so. Um, just based on how well he played last week, but I mean, he missed the cut of Memorial a few weeks ago. So um, you know, it's it's I, I I would expect him obviously to have a good week, but you know, this is a crazy game, and the U.S. Open has a ton of variables, and you can go haywire on one hole and put a nine or a ten on the card, and you know, then your week's ruined. So um, uh, we'll see, we'll see out of Rory, but yeah, I would expect him to break that that missed cut streak. Well, speaking of. Uh... The, the the crazy possibilities at the U.S. Open and going haywire on one hole. What about Phil Mickelson? <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> on, on on Phil 
coming in here, there, there, there is kind of this uh, storyline out there that this is probably his last best chance at winning the U.S. Open. Obviously, next year is at Winged Foot, um, but his his track record at Pebble, uh, you know, it's it's him and Tiger and DJ of current players who have long storied, uh, you know, successful careers. At Pebble, and honestly, Tigers is isn't isn't even that that long. You know, he he hasn't played nearly the number of times that Phil has uh, at Pebble. Right. Yeah, when Phil won in February to, at Pebble Beach, it was his fifth win there, which tied Marco Mira for the most in tournament history. So, I mean, he has an enormous history of success at Pebble Beach. Contended in 2010. Um, I'm going to give you some pessimism here for for Phil, though. Okay. Um, even for him, by his standards, he's wild this year. He's there are 209 players on the PGA Tour with enough rounds to qualify for stats. Phil's 208th in driving accuracy. So even <laughs> for him, he's he's wild this year. He's 78th yeah. in strokes gained to the green, which is still above average, but that would by far be his worst ever rank in that statistic. It's that low at the end of the year. He's 22 over par in his last nine PGA Tour rounds. He doesn't have a top 15 anywhere since winning here in February. Yeah, if, if if you just had the blank screen with a silhouette outline of a player and couldn't see their face and, and gave you all those facts, you'd be like, of course I'm not going to pick this person to win. But it's Phil Mickelson. It's Pebble Beach. 49th birthday on Sunday. It's the only thing that's ever eluded him is winning this championship. He's got more runner-ups in this major without a win than anybody in any major ever. If he could break through on this course, 49th birthday completes the grand slam. Like what an incredible moment, but it's just almost as too good to be true. And I, as much as great as it would be to see it happen, just everything performance wise for Phil tells me probably not this year. Yeah. I I mean, on, on the one hand, we just had a too good to be true outcome at the masters. I mean, it was honestly the reason yeah. that I, I didn't uh, at the beginning of that week, put down a bet on Tiger because it just felt too good to be true. I, I bet on him to finish right. in the top top five out of sentimentality. Uh, and and <laughs> and boy, oh boy, uh, I was ne- never so happy to miss out on the winner but to collect on a top five. Um, we can't possibly get, get two of those too good to be trues in one year, can we? I can't. I can't imagine it. But, I mean, if Tiger can win the Masters after everything he went through, I mean – if you want to have the storybook season in golf, you know, Tiger wins the Masters, Kepka blows away the field and has to hang on at the PGA. He's the new face of, of major championship golf. Phil completes the slam at Pebble Beach, and then Rory McIlroy wins on home turf at the Open in Northern Ireland. I don't know. I mean, you need to script it out like that, other than, I guess, like Tiger winning all four. <laughs> I guess, yeah. that, I mean, that could be, that'd be about as good as it gets, so. I, I really like Phil. I've really grown to, I, I love watching him play golf. Just the, you know, go for broke, you know, crazy recovery shots, just unbelievable swagger out there. Just go after everything. It's, it's so entertaining to watch and has been for so long. And it'd be an awesome story if it happened this week, especially on this course on his birthday, which would be ridiculous. Like to win this finally breakthrough. It's just, I just can't. Well, I'm an analytics guy and the analytics yeah. say no thanks. Yeah, that's right. We'll 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 try and keep it sober. We'll try and keep the emotion out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to briefly touch. We we talked about uh, Fleetwood. I I um, have been calling Fleetwood, Finau, and Fowler the F boys um, because yeah. of of uh, 
the performance, the you know, they're they're sort of walking up to the edge and then they they take a peek at the possibility of winning and then they turn around and the tail goes between the legs a little bit so far this season, oh, the way it's felt felt to me. I understand I'm being a little harsh. Um, how would you uh, uh, estimate the possibility for for either Fowler or Finau to break through here this week? Um, so Ricky, you know, I was looking at his numbers. He's actually sneaky consistent in the major championships. I know, you know, he had the top five in all four majors a few years back, and that got a lot of publicity. But he's got a his cuts made streak in majors is second currently right now to Brooks Kepka, which I was a little surprised to see. Um, you know, the numbers throughout his career, though. They, he's the number one guy when looking at comparing putters on POA to what they perform regularly. He is like the three red X's stay away. Like oh. just does not like putting on POA. And wow. all the numbers, all the numbers say just you've got to, I mean, it's, it's, it's over a full shot worse per round strokes game putting on POA compared to, you know, other surfaces on the PGA tour. So um, I, I'm of the camp that it's just a matter of time for Ricky Fowler. I mean, Phil was 32 when he won his first major, and I could totally see Ricky having a 30. Maybe not, he's not quite as talented as Phil Mickelson, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he could break through eventually. He's just so talented. He's so good. He's so consistent. Has so many close calls. I just don't see it happening on a golf course like this. Now, maybe yeah. maybe next year, Wingfoot, I could definitely see that happening. Right. Um, you know, I could see him winning a Masters, obviously. He's had a lot of success there. But the, the Paula putting numbers tell me to stay away. As far as Finau, I mean, he feels like he should have like seven PGA Tour wins by now. He's got, I'm going to, I might not get the specific number right, but I think it's 22 top 10 the last three seasons on the PGA Tour. Nobody else has more without a win than, than that span, and it's not even close. I think second's like, I think second is Fleetwood with like 13. So, I mean, it's just an unbelievable amount of times he's put himself in a position to win and just hasn't quite got over the finish line. It would be really cool to see him break through and get that second PGA Tour win. He does have one um, at at a major championship at the U.S. Open. Um, you know, most of Tony's strokes gain come off the tee, and like I mentioned before, um, you're not going to get that's not as big of an advantage this week on this golf course because it's shorter because players will you know lay back more often. Um, you're going to see guys who gain a lot of their strokes with their irons be more significant. Um, but you know, he loves the big stage. He's finished in the top twenty in more than half his career starts in majors. You know, uh, if I had to pick between Finau and Fowler this week, I'd lean Finau just because of those polo numbers for Fowler. But if you threw in the other, as you called them uh, so amiably, the F-boys, if I had Fleetwood <laughs> to pick from those three, I'd, yeah. I'd pick Tommy out of those three guys this week. Okay. All right. That's good Good. Good to know. Now, we've been on this, this, this trend of U.S. players dominating the majors. Eight uh, uh, of the past nine, the only uh, non-U.S citizen to win a major in recent memory is Frankie onions, Frankie Molinari at the open championship <laughs> last year. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? Any reason for this trend to end this week? I'll preface this by saying that I think that Brooks and DJ as co-favorites, they're hands down the t- the two best players in the field going into the tournament, I think. And I think tigers are close third. Um, so that being said, no, I would definitely not be surprised if one of those three guys wins this week. Um, but the guy I mentioned earlier, who's got the great track record in California, is a world-class player. I think John Rahm is somebody that you've got to look at. And I know he underperformed at the PGA Championship, obviously, but I could definitely see John Rahm with all the success he's had in California. Ten starts, two wins, six top ten, 119 under par in those ten starts. That's 119 shots under par in ten tournaments. Um, I could definitely see John Rahm being a factor this week. So he could break that streak. Um, I think 
you know, Tommy Fleetwood, as we talked about, I put him in that group too. Um, and then like we talked about with Rory, as good as he's playing, I mean, what he did last week in Canada was just unbelievable. Um, you could definitely see him carry that through and play well again. Um, but, you know, like we talked about, that three straight missed cuts in the U.S. Open makes you a little bit wary, and no one's ever won the U.S. Open the week after winning on the PGA Tour ever. So um, there's something draining about the test of the U.S. Open to where it's happened in the other three majors. It has not happened um, at the U.S. Open. So, um, yeah, but yeah I, I really – I think John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy can all definitely break that trend. Okay. Well, I, I like of those, uh, of that group, I I'm looking at the book right now, Rom at 30 to one, that, that starts to feel like value. You're really turning my, my point of view around on this. 30 to one is low, man. This, I, I don't have it in front of me. I got to look at who else is at 30 to one. You know, that feels he, like Paul Casey territory. He's in the same uh, uh, sector here as Justin Thomas, who you know the the public is a little bit okay. wary of because they haven't seen him. And uh, Xander Shoffley is available right now at twenty eight to one. Uh, okay. So, so is so is Justin Rose. Justin Rose. The public is out on Justin Rose. Available at twenty eight to one right now. Uh, so oh, that's who's that's on on either side of Rom at that thirty to one number. That's interesting. I kind of like at thirty to one. I kind of. I might be making a phone call here. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you have my permission. <laughs> One guy that we haven't done much of a, a deep dive on, but you know, he's he's a, uh, a a darling of the public, and he he's he earned it. Um, is is Jordan Spieth? The trend has been good. It's been positive. That third place finish at Bethpage really felt like it came out of nowhere, and it was just because of how incredibly well he putted. Those greens, nothing else about his performance there was like all that noteworthy. He just putted so much better than everybody else. I th- I, I think. Uh, what do you think about yeah. Jordan Spieth this Jordan Spieth this week? So for the first time in eighteen months, Jordan Spieth is entering a golf tournament, coming off three straight top tens. I mean, that's how long it's been since he's played yeah. as well. Um, it, that's a that's a very good sign. And you mentioned how great he putted at the PGA Championship in his last sixteen rounds. He's gained seven strokes on his opposition, T to Green. He's gained 28 putting. So, I mean, like his his success in, in these last three starts finishing the top 10 is almost completely putting. But the caveat to that is the reason why I'm even more encouraged about it this week is that last time, his last start at the Memorial, he gained more strokes T to Green than he did putting. So he basically flipped the script on that trend. He still putted really well, but the ball striking was there too. And it was one of the most well-rounded performances. He, you know, finished in the top 10 again, obviously. And one of the most well-rounded performances he's had over the last 12, 18 months. So um, couple that with the success he's had at Pebble Beach, winning here a couple of years ago. I don't know if I'm ready to, to bet on him to win. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that. But it all points to, look, this lull here he's had the last few months. He got down into the, I think, the high thirties, low forties in the world ranking. That's not who Jordan speed is. Like he's going to climb back and be a consistent player in the top 10 in the world for the next decade um, or more. So um, he's on the way back up. He's got a, a course here and a venue and a type of setup where if he can he makes the putts, can scramble, limit that, limit the bogeys, limit the mistakes, not be too wild off the tee. Like we've talked about being loose off the tee. Isn't particularly penalizing at Pebble beach compared to other us open venues. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit, I'm not going to say bullish, but I'm positive about Jordan Spieth this week. Wow. Now, are you bullish enough for me to include him in my make the cut parlay? 
Yes. All right. That. that was a, that yeah. was a, that was a, there was no hesitation there. All right. I'm going to, I'm no, going to let you. I, if you were to say, like, if, if I'm ranking the guys in the field, like, he'd probably be around, like, between eight and 10, but he'd still be somebody who, I think he's, he's going to be part of the story this week. As well as he struck the ball at Memorial, that's what really turned it around for me because he's found something in his putting that he's putting his, his numbers are as good as they've ever been in his career. That includes 2015 when he was the player of the year. Um, but to see his iron play improve, you know, you'd like to see him put it together a few more weeks in a row. Um, but I could definitely see him winning the U.S. Open. I don't know, winning this week, but contending at the U.S. Open this week, I could see happen. All right, so let, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go in a minute, but I want to bounce off of you. Here's what my thinking is right now about this eight-way make-the-cut parlay. I want to I want to uh, read off the names, and that these are not. I'm not playing all the top guys because I want to get a, some odds here. I want to I have this right. thing available at me. If come to back to me at like you know four to one or five to one. It's some some top guys mixed with some some second tier kind of guys. So I have DJ on there. I put Spieth on there. I have Jason Day on there uh, because of mm-hmm. his uh, track record of success at Pebble. I have Tiger on there. So those are like your your top tier guys. Anybody to be okay. concerned about out of the, that top tier? Should I be concerned? No, not at all. Day's missed the cut the last few U.S. Opens, I believe, but um, he's still, over the last decade or so, one of the best players we've had at the U.S. Open. And his, his numbers across the board this year are pretty good. So, no, that'd, be, that'd probably be the guy I'd have any slight concern about, but I think you're fine. Okay, good. I like it. And now here are the next four guys. Uh, I have Sneds. I have Snedeker um, because okay. of, of – speaking of guys with incredible California performances, incredible POA performances, incredible performances at, at this uh, venue. Have to have him on there. I have Adam Scott on there, and that is mainly because of his recent form and his form, particularly yep. uh, in in majors. Um, he had a hiccup on Sunday at the Masters that really was the, the the thing that kept him out of you know a string of consecutive like top twenties in, in the majors. Um, but I I think he lines up well for this for this venue. So I have uh, uh, Adam Scott. I have Webb Simpson. You mentioned him. I just think mm, he's playing. Yeah. Uh, he's just uh, in a little bit of a, a streak where he's not thinking it right now. Uh, all His caddy, uh, Paul Tesori, is doing all his thinking for him, and it, it's a version of <laughs> Webb that actually feels like it makes some sense to me. I have Jim Furyk on here, a nod to the old okay. guy. Um, just I'm just looking for somebody that's going to make the cut. I think he's made like 17, no, 21 out of 24 made cuts at the U.S. Open. He leads the tour in yeah. driving accuracy. He's he, he loves playing at the U.S. Open. I mean, what he did at Oakmont um, is still within sort of recent memory for me. Um, that was an yep. incredible performance. So I have Furyk on he here to make the Beach cut. A couple years ago. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then my last one. This is a. This is just a form one, and this is a guy that I feel like fits uh, kind of the narrative. Kevin Na, yep. as 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 my guy rounding out two top fives at Pebble, just won uh, the the Schwab Shootout down there at Colonial. He the style of play that was successful for him at Colonial, I believe, was a was a very U.S. Open-y kind of style of play, a very Pebble Beachy kind of style of play so i have him rounding out he's my he's in my number eight slot for this uh make the cut parlay out of those four guys who should i be concerned about i like your not pick he's made the cut in the u.s open five straight times he's played it um you know i like all those 
Um, you know, Adam Scott just finished runner up at the Memorial. Um, Jim Furyk, I think, is a solid pick too. Like we said, nearly won at Pebble Beach a couple of years ago. Distance isn't a big factor at Pebble Beach. Shorter course. A um, couple other guys who are a little bit off the board who I think are interesting. I had already written down Kevin Nye. We hadn't talked about it. Um, Charles Harrell III has a very long success, long track record of playing really well on the West Coast. I mean, he's oh. basically made a living making money early in the season. You know, Torrey Pines, uh, Wailai in Hawaii, um, Pebble Beach. Um, you know, these these tournaments out of the West Coast early in the season. And he makes a million dollars every year, and it seems like almost all of it comes from those courses. He's got a long track record of putting on POA the last 15 years. He's played the third most rounds on POA on the PGA Tour. Um, not a guy who's going to get spooked by this situation, kind of having a little renaissance in his career. One at the end of last, uh, I guess it was still this season, but it was the wraparound. It was the end of the fall, um, last in, in 2018. Yeah. Um, he's somebody I think could be interesting, get you a little more odds. Um, and I think, you know, Tyrrell Hatton's made six straight cuts in majors. He's a guy who limits his mistakes. Um, he te- tends to like the big stage. Um, I think he could get you some odds and he'd be a guy I'd pick to make the cut too. I love it. So th- those are two guys to add. And I had Hatton on my list of guys. I, ha- I was keeping a- an eye on, um, he, uh, had a-, a good performance at what the open championship within recent memory. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's so- a handful of nice. Nice rounds, maybe not, you know, instances where he was contending per se uh, on Sunday, but he's had some good rounds in major championships here the last couple of years. And look, just making a cut consistently in majors is difficult enough, and he's done it six times in a row. So, um, yeah. you know, he's a guy who's won in Europe a handful of times, you know, playing on the Ryder Cup team last year. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, he finished eighth at Colonial a few weeks ago, um, you know, got to the quarterfinals of match play. Um, so he's played pretty well recently. Um, I could see him making the cut. Absolutely. That, 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 that's all we're after. We, we didn't set the bar super high. We're not trying to pick winners. This is just the make the cut parlay. I appreciate uh, the, the addition of those two guys. So uh, 15th club, the newsletter coming out every day this week, right? Yeah, correct. After every round, um, just go to 15th club.com or follow me on Twitter at Justin Ray golf. If you go to 15th club.com any day this week or, you know, anytime um, just subscribe to our newsletter and get, um, everything that I write um, multiple times a week. And then, you know, this week for the U.S. Open, we'll have um, recap notes in your inbox every morning. Wake up, get all the information you need. You'll be more knowledgeable about your friends. Um, and it'll give you, you know, more things to be interested in um, with all the storylines we're following, all the statistics and numbers. Um, and it's not too, you know, academic or verbose or any of that stuff. It's, it's easy to digest, and uh, I think you'll really like it. So give us a shot, 15club.com. Yeah, I I can uh, uh, vouch for that. Uh, it's it's not too academic for a dummy like me, and it's one of my favorite reads um, during major weeks. Well, and and I just want to re- write it, and I'm not and I'm not an academic at all. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I just want to we'll double, double down. <laughs> I want to double down, everybody. If you're not following Justin Ray uh, on Twitter, you're you're and and you profess to love golf, you are not doing it correctly. He's at Justin Ray Golf. I was on with Pat Mayo at the end of last week. We we had to to sing your your praises. We both love following you on Twitter, getting the nuggets as as the days progress and during the major tournaments, especially we're looking at these matchups that we like some live betting and you always have, have good things to hang our hat on. Uh, Justin, as always a great pleasure. We appreciate all the insights and input. We'll be reading the 15th club newsletter 
all week long. And I'm inviting you now. We have to do this again at the Open Championship at the end of July, please. Yeah, book it. Let's do it. You're the man. I appreciate it. Okay, JR. Enjoy Pebble Beach this week. Will do. Y'all enjoy the U.S. Open. Thanks, buddy. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts. Once again, we love having Justin Ray on for these major tournaments. So much to learn. So much to listen and learn. Harry Gagnon on in a minute with a couple of beautiful winners for the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. But first, quick word from friends of ours at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin. This episode of Fairway Rolling brought to you by these good people at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, which happens to be home of Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run. Destination Kohler was ranked by Golf Digest to have four of the top 100 public courses in the United States. Kohler was the site of the 2004, the 2010, and the 2015 PGA Championships, and it's also home of the 2020 Ryder Cup. Next year, the first public course in a generation to host the Ryder Cup. Each of the four courses at Kohler have been artfully crafted by Hall of Fame designer Pete Dye, the legend. He understands the mind and struggles of the amateur, but knows at the same time how to drive the pros crazy. Imagine summer in Kohler, Wisconsin on the shores of Lake Michigan. A couple rounds of championship golf on the rugged Irish-inspired courses of Whistling Straits. Then you get a couple rounds experiencing the glacier-carved natural Midwestern beauty of Black Wolf Run. Follow that up with a few rounds of ice-cold beverages to wash down a delightful basket of hot, fresh, deep-fried Wisconsin cheese curds. It is time to get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your golf package today. That is DestinationKohler.com. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Oswego, New York, qualifying for this U.S. Open out of the Oswego Country Club, Harry Gagnon, welcome to Fairway Rolling. Hey, House. Thanks for having me again, bud. Always a pleasure. Hey, it's a major tournament. There is major prognostication to be had. This is the preview show where we're trying to give out a couple winners to all of our par-saving pals, you're a known winner every week on Against All Odds, and so it is our honor and privilege to have you on for these major events, my friend. Let's jump right into it. You shared with me your thinking, your thoughts. I agreed with all of it, um, with maybe one slight exception, but let's jump into it. Who do you like at the 119th edition of the U.S. Open? At Pebble Beach, Harry Gagnon. You know what, House? It's very easy to go with Kepka looking for a three-peat and maybe DJ as well. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with my main pick at 35-1. to 1. I'm going to take Australian Jason Day. Uh, I'm all over Day in this tournament. If, if I lose, I lose. But I'm telling you, I've got him at 35-1, to 1, like I said, to win it. Top 10 is plus 275 and top Australian at plus 175. 
look, uh, this is a golf course historically he plays well at and has been extremely close to winning. Uh, now, something to consider, obviously, at, if you play the Pro-Am, you're only playing Pebble Beach twice. you got to play two other courses. But still, nonetheless, Day is at the top of his game when he plays there. He has his best finish this season on tour as he finished fourth there. And in the past four years, he's posted a second, a fifth, an 11th, and a fourth-place finish. Uh, the 16th-ranked player in the world has five top tens this year and is eighth on tour and putting and ninth off the green percentage. It'll be interesting to see if he's around the top of the leaderboard come Saturday, come Sunday afternoon, how aggressive it becomes knowing his past history at Pebble Beach. Uh, this is still kind of an out-there pick since he hasn't been playing that great since he finished fifth at the Masters. Uh, he's missed two cuts in the other two events. He didn't finish in the top 20. But his history here, him not playing the Canadian Open where he's won before, maybe giving him that extra week to focus on everything. I feel himself being really focused this week and the challenge for this U.S. Open. Well, one thing that you didn't mention that has me uh, intrigued by Jason Day, his choice of caddy, he has on the bag for, for this Open, none other than Tiger Woods, man. Uh, Stevie Williams, who, who who walked around with Tiger in in 2000 uh, during the single greatest major tournament performance in the history of competitive golf. Uh, not True. a bad guy to have in your corner, right? No, not at all. Give him insight and, and, and help him along the way, like I said, into that Saturday, into those Saturday, Sunday rounds. Um, also, I did mention, you know, top Australian. You can get him at plus. There's eight total Australians playing. You can catch him at plus one seventy five house. Look, he's got to go up against Adam Scott, who has played Pebble Beach the past two years. Didn't make the cut. Mark Leishman has never uh, uh, has never played there for the most part. And uh, another guy that's played a pretty good season, uh, Aaron Battelay, Australian. In the last four years, he's failed to crop, crack the top fifty at Pebble Beach. So. At plus 175, I think Jason Day, top Australian, not a bad selection. Not a bad selection. Nearly two to one odds. I like it a lot. Now, we're just trying to give out winners. We we, we, we have uh, uh, you know your selection to win. You're, it's exactly in that class of value that I like. I like getting guys who have major championships in their on their resume available in that 30 to 1 to 40 to 1 range. That's where you start getting some value. Um, but we're also looking at some, some guys in other performance categories. You have, uh, uh, an interesting take on a top Asian play. Let me hear about that one. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to take Sibu Kim at plus six fifty. Uh, he played the program this year and finished in a tie for fourth with Jason day and has four top tens this year. And keep in mind the favorite at plus plus one fifty is Hideki Matsuyama. And he's never, he never does play the Pro-Ams. This is like a brand new course for him that he's never played competitively. So I'm thinking at plus 650, uh, Siwoo Kim is the second favorite here. I think there's value in this. So at plus 650, I like it a lot. I, I, I like the, the uh, idea of getting a guy who's walked that golf course and seen it and played it under uh, competitive uh, conditions. Uh, I do agree and the with weather, you. Yeah, the, the, the weather conditions that you might going to have to factor in. You know, I think I think the other day, believe it or not, I don't know if you saw it, it was like 89 degrees in Monterey. 
And then for the tournament this week, I think the the high the high is going to be 62. So could be windy, a little cool. We'll see what what, what Matsuyama can do when Siwoo Kim has already played there this year and finished fourth. And 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 you know it was in that kind of cooler, uh, obviously uh, environment with with the the February round. Um, well, it was you and brutal. I, remember that? Yeah, brutal. I mean they they had to stop for weather. Uh, you know right. they ended up uh, finishing on Monday. Phil was mad about it. He wanted to play in the dark and get the thing over with, <laughs> but they pushed right. it. That was great. To, to Monday. Speaking of Phil. Now, our, 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 my previous guest, Justin Ray, from the 15th Club, we do our, our deep dive analytics conversation, and we both agreed that Phil winning this event at this moment in this season with where he is in his career, with Sunday being his birthday, it feels too good to be true. But on the other hand, Tiger Woods winning this year's Masters going into the week, that also felt like a too, feels too good to be true. How are you feeling about Phil this week, Harry? You know what? How can you not just straight up root for the guy? I mean, look, his straight up odds, like you just said, uh, you know, he's like 25th in the world uh, and he's won 20 before, never that U.S. Open, but I think he's, uh, you can get him at 40 to 1. Uh, top 10, I'm looking, I saw plus three and a quarter, and top five, eight to one. Uh, and like you said, he's going to be, uh, I believe he's going to be 49 this weekend and you just can't count Phil out. Uh, he's a guy that loves to rise to play at Pebble beach. As we know, he actually won there. Like you said, uh, earlier this year, shooting a sensational 19 under par, the five time winner there with two seconds. And we'll be attempting to, like you said, to be only the third player in history to win the pro-am and the Pebble at Pebble beach. And, major at the same course in the same year like you said tiger did it in 2000 with uh uh by 15 strokes which was the biggest margin of victory in a major ever and of course the golden bear did it when i was one year old in 1972 so uh phil trying to join some incredible company and this may be his best shot really if we really think about it moving forward to capturing his elusive first u.s open I agree with you. I think this is his last uh, and best shot. Next year is at Wingfoot. Um, he will be 49, approaching 50. And, you know, he, he should have mostly good feelings uh, about his performance at, at Wingfoot and his, his odds there. But his he doesn't have anything that rivals his performance at Pebble Beach. Um, and, and honestly, I'm going to put a little bit on him as a sentimental pick. Uh, I just want to have a little exposure in case he, he he goes crazy and gives us one of those vintage Phil performances. I'm going to be sort of modest about my hopes for him, um, but I want to have something on him so that if in case you know he does pull some magic out of the hat, maybe this is just going to be a magic year, Harry. Tiger wins the Masters. Kepka uh, wins the PGA Championship, and and you know um, re- reasserts himself as the current uh, uh, greatest in the world. Phil finally gets his his uh, his U.S. Open at Pebble, and then we're in Northern Ireland for the Open Championship, and either Rory or, or, or uh, uh, Graham McDowell go out and do that one. I mean, you know, we could have a pretty insane storybook year. It's still it's still out there. It's still possible. Oh, still, definitely still, still out. And look, I mean, I know it's a, I mean, uh, it, it's hard. I, I know Rory, uh, Hasn't I believe it hasn't made a a, a cut in his last uh, three uh, U.S. Opens. I, right. I, he didn't make the cut this year at Pebble Beach. But boy, I'll tell you what, 
watching him, I know we, we texted a little bit on Sunday, watching him just, I mean, I was supposed to, look, I was supposed to go to a, I had a, I had plans on Sunday. I was, I had a pool party to go to. I had a party, yeah. a big event to go to. I just kept telling my girlfriend's house, I just, in a little bit, in a little bit, we'll leave in a little bit. Because I couldn't stop watching. Boy, I mean, he's hitting, he's hitting 360 yard drive. He's out driving, uh, Webb Simpson by 45 to 50 yards a hole when uh, on, on long par fours and, and the par fives. It was just amazing to watch. And I just couldn't turn it off. And plus when you have that alert of 58, 59 as a golf fan, you can't help it, but keep watching. No, the 59 alert comes up. That means that, you know, everybody, the life gets put on hold. I hit the pause button on everything else in my life. The 59 alert is up. Everything else goes yeah, on pause. You're you know? absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I texted you just, I mean, I knew you were watching, but I, just in case you had something going on, I wanted you to know. It's very thoughtful of you. I always appreciate it. Uh, speaking of things that I appreciate and I, that I hope our listeners appreciate, let's hit a few long shot top 20s to give out. You know, there's some value here for guys that are probably being slept on a little bit. Let's give out some top 20s that might cash for folks sure. uh, at some odds that are that are pretty tasty. Yeah, you know what? I got out. You mentioned Graham McDowell. He's at plus 240. Uh, he won the U.S. Open there at Pebble Beach in 2010. Um, thanks to a collapse on that Sunday by Dustin Johnson as he shot an 82. Uh, but still, he got it done. He won it. He's plus 240. He's coming off on a, what a high um, to qualify for the British as he needed at the Canadian Open. He needed like a 35-footer to qualify on 18, and he banged it. So he's coming in hot. He's coming in very happy. So at plus 240, top 20 for McDowell, maybe worth a shot. Uh, I like uh, a guy that you've mentioned a few times too, who you're a fan of. That's Ches Reavy. You know, he's plus seven fifty for the top twenty, and uh, he finished second in 2018 there at the at the pro am. And this year on tour, he's second in driving accuracy, which will be huge on this type of course. So at plus seven fifty, that's something to look at too. Uh, and uh, looked at JB Holmes too at plus six hundred at six to one. He's had a history. He's, a, he's had a second place finish there you know, a few years back, and history, historically, he's been okay there too. So maybe uh, JB Holmes at plus six, six to one. All right, so let let's do uh, our, our our Callaway Golf Epic Flash Pick of the Week. Uh, I know that you gave out Jason Day. That is a value pick. Um, that that makes a lot of sense to me. This Epic Flash Pick of the Week presented by Callaway the maker of the Epic Flash driver with the most worldwide wins on tour in 2019. Non-staffers continue to play the Epic Flash and win golf tournaments with it. Scott McCarron, a non-Callaway staffer, put the Epic Flash in his bag at the beginning of the year, and all he's done is win uh, three tournaments, and he's at the very top of the uh, standings on the senior tour right now. Let's go ahead and hear from you. Harry, your uh, Epic Flash pick of the week. You know what? Let me see here. I, he didn't play uh, particularly well last week. Finished in the top. Finished for a tie for top twenty. But I will take. Uh, you got. You got to really consider DJ Dustin Johnson at nine to one. Like I said, uh, he, he he folded at the P uh, at the uh, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach in 2010 when he shot that 82. But other than that, he won the tournament in 2009. He won Pebble Beach. Uh, the Pro-Am in 2010, finished back and won back-to-back. He's got two second-place finishes there. 
And his stats this year on tour through the roof. He's first in scoring on tour. He's fourth in sand saves, eighth in driving distance, and he's 13th in greens and regulation. So at nine to one, DJ with his history is, uh, at Pebble Beach as well. Nine to one, pretty good, I think. Maybe give DJ a look and take a shot with him. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to play him. I already, uh, on Monday, um, gave the rationale for why I'm going to play Tiger. The two guys I'm going to play to win, and I'll just we'll just see what Brooks does. I, I don't want Brooks to listen to this podcast and, uh, and have another chip on his shoulder. But the guys that I'm playing on right now pre-tournament are Tiger Woods and DJ, in addition to all the accolades that you just went through. I mean, nobody... Uh, is as, has been as good uh, at Pebble Beach other than than Tiger, but you know he's also a U.S. Open killer. His last five U.S. Opens, he was third at Shinnecock. He missed the cut at Aaron Hills, but we just take that one and throw it in the in in the toilet. We don't even worry about that one. He won at Oakmont. He was second at Chambers Bay. He was fourth at Pinehurst. I mean, this is a guy that loves the U.S. Open, loves this stage. Loves Pebble Beach. I'm joining you on this DJ to win bet at nine to one. Harry, uh, your your Twitter handle at Harry AAO. You will be giving out your picks as always uh, 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 Wednesday going into Thursday, so folks can check those out. And then as the weekend progresses, if there's some live betting to be had, uh, I know you'll be sharing those observations as well, right? Yeah, we'll definitely be getting getting going with those picks. And there's an outside shot, houses. Outside shot. I still might uh, I might be going to the uh, open on Saturday. I'm 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 uh, I'm uh, holding back for right now, but I might be there. So uh, if I do, I'll definitely let you know. Well, that, that's terrific. And folks can also get some of your 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 thoughts this week's uh, against all odds with the cousin Sal on the Ringer Podcast Network. I think I'm making a brief appearance. On there as well. I have a few uh, value picks the, up my sleeve yet to share. I'm going to share them on against all odds with with cousin Sal, and I know you're going to be on there uh, as well. So lots of golf content on the Ringer Podcast Network. Harry, as always, appreciate you coming on, my friend. Love it, man. Awesome. Yeah, at AAO Harry, definitely hit me up, and uh, if you, you guys want information, or whatever. But house, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure coming on your show. Uh, uh, th- thanks for coming on, buddy. Talk to you soon. There we go, my par-saving pals. Hopefully a couple suggestions in there that are worth your while. Want everybody to have strong return on investment this week. We're coming back with Fairway Roll. And speaking of returns, we will be back with an immediate post-US Open recap. We're going up Sunday night right after we have a winner declared. We're going to talk to Chris Vernon for sure, and we'll see what other surprises emerge in terms of potential guests here at fairway rolling uh it's going to be an unbelievable tournament prime time here on the east coast everybody enjoy happy father's day to all the fathers out there and we shall see you on sunday in the meantime let's all hit them straight out there All right, on the line, the executive editor at Golf Digest and head of instructor content. I'm joined by Peter Maurice of Golf Digest, who has somehow drawn the short straw 
I uh, recently had a couple uh, videos taken of my golf swing. They were sent in, and Peter is on the line to help me understand what I'm doing wrong. Peter, how are you? Good, Joe. How are you? Spectacular. So uh, tell me a little bit about this um, instructor content program that's going on, this, this golf school that Golf Digest is running online right now. All right. So first of all, your swings look pretty good. We were, we're psyched to look through those and uh, hopefully we gave you a few good ideas. So uh, Pros on Demand, Golf Digest Pros on Demand is part of a program called Golf Digest Schools, which is basically a virtual golf school that we, we've created about a year and a half ago, creating co sort of curriculum style video learning, uh, deep dives, long form videos uh, with the best teachers in the game. And one of the cool features to the Golf Digest Schools is this uh, pros on demand, which essentially gives golfers a chance to send in their swings. You know, you take a little uh, iPhone video of your swing, send it in, and uh, within a few hours, hopefully, you get back a really cool uh, swing analysis, you know, with some tips and some ideas for improvement from one of Golf Digest's uh, ranked teachers. So that's what we did for you. You know, I don't know if you've been back out there, but uh, I'm sure it's working for you. Well, I, I have a, a couple questions. I saw in, in the one of the most recent Golf Digest um, editions, you uh, personally presented a, a breakdown of Dustin Johnson's driver swing. And I was just wondering, uh, with you guys, your expertise, how much of my driver swing reminds you of DJ's driver swing? Was it 100%? Was it 95%? Was it how, how it was close, close to a hundred, you know, honestly, wow. and, that, and that's probably being conservative. Being conservative, you know, <laughs> like his equipment might be fitted a little better. Yeah, you know, he probably has a few yards on you, but it, it's not because of ability. It's probably equipment and you know the great teaching he gets. But yeah, you're right there, man. I don't know. I think uh, you missed your calling. Well, let me uh, uh, be semi serious for a second. The way this works, it was super easy. I took two videos, one driver swing video and one uh, iron swing video. I had a pal stand behind me with an iPhone. We took the videos. We sent them in to Golf Digest. And the way it works is they have one of their pros go ahead and give you an analysis. And you can receive that analysis back in writing or, or um, by way of internet communication. I think email works. Um, Peter, are there other ways that, that the communication can occur? Well, just to be clear, usually, I mean, what the teacher would like ideally is a video down the line from behind the, the player shooting out toward the target. And then what we call a face on video, which is kind of facing the player's chested address because there's positions you can see better from, you know, one or one or the other of those angles. And the, the feedback is usually a video posted to uh, Pros on Demand, which is that community that we talked about where everybody, including the swinger, but everybody else who has joined uh, that group can see the analysis. Typically, a teacher will send back, you know, here's a couple of things I see. You know, you might want to try this or that. Uh, here's a drill you could use. But it's really cool. I mean, we, we've, uh, we've had these teacher lists for a long time, the best teachers, best teachers in America, best young teachers in America, best teachers by state. And it's giving us an opportunity to kind of showcase some of the instruction talent we have on our end uh, in a way that we haven't been able to before. And, and how interactive is it? Because I, I, I like to say that I have a two-way miss. I tend to miss to the left in the first part of the round when I'm amped up, I have my caffeine going, the adrenaline is high. 
I haven't lost all my bets yet. And then as the round goes on, on the sort of back nine and the, in the, the ladder holes, I start missing right. It could be because of fatigue. It could have to do with the number of beers consumed. It could have to do with wherever the bets may have ended up. But uh, how do your pros um, work with somebody that's, that might have a couple different um, issues that they're working on? Joe, this is getting very personal. I mean, you know, <laughs> this is not about your golf swing anymore. There are all kinds of issues going on there. No, I mean, I think, you know, golf is a complicated game. And, and you know, the, the way you describe it is, is I think, the way a lot, the struggles that a lot of people have. You know, they don't really know. They don't have a consistent problem. It, the problem is inconsistency. So why does it start out like this and turn into this? Why do I uh, play well on these days and, and not well on those days? So, you know, the instructors, what we've tried to create is really kind of an open forum where golfers can ask questions, can send in send in their swing videos. And it's really just an opportunity to connect in a community with the best teachers, uh, uh, you know, according to Golf Digest, and in many cases, as voted by their peers, the best teachers out there. So, you know, we set them up, you know, we have a new teacher every week who kind of holds court, and the questions come in and the swings come in. And the idea is, it's an open forum, it's all meant to be community learning. So your questions are posted publicly in this forum. And as long as, you know, you don't have a question about, am I drinking too much in the back nine? Not to say that that question has already come up, but um, if you have- I won't ask that question. Any questions, you know, uh, it's a, it's all average golfers kind of talking about their games and trying to get better. So the questions are, are posted publicly in the forum and, you know, in the chats and, uh, you know, the instructor, they're great about getting back to, you know, they, they're trying to help people and it's all- out there for community learning. So the swing as well, you know, you post your swing, you don't get a, you don't get a kind of a sideline analysis. It's put out there for the whole group to see, which is kind of cool because a lot of people are having the same issues. So you may not want to post your swing, but uh, somebody does and you say, oh man, I'm doing the same thing. So you can, you could kind of cheat a little bit and, and get some uh, personalized advice without sending it in yourself. Well, I love it, and I'm excited to get uh, going with this. I, I am definitely your demo as an average golfer, but um, I do continue to have ambition, Peter. I still have high hopes. It's probably the case. I just had a milestone birthday. Uh, uh -oh. It's probably the case that I'm not going to make the PGA Tour in my lifetime, but look, I'm, I, I am now at least age qualified for the, for the senior tour, be honest with me. If we start this off, we get this process going. Help me th think about my odds to make the senior tour. What, oh, what would man. you say are my odds for making the senior tour? I think you got to shoot high, man. You got a lot going for you. <laughs> yeah, you know? sure. sure. This radio game, I mean, who knows how long this is going to last? You got to have some insurance. Well, that's exactly right. My backup plan is is the senior tour and no no pressure on the Golf Digest pros. But I mean, my expectation is that you guys will have me ready by the end of this year. Well, you know, we probably wouldn't put that in writing, but uh, I think your chances <laughs> are as good as anyone's. And let me just tell you a little a little something else about, you know, the pros on demand is one feature of, of a larger program that we're doing called Golf Digest Schools, which is we're going out and we're, we're connecting with the best teachers in the game and creating these long form video programs, which are you know all meant for average golfers. And it's everything from driving to putting. And, uh, you know, it's Butch Harmon, David Ledbetter, Hank Haney, Michael Breed, the best teachers that have always been in Golf Digest. Now we're connecting with them on uh, video lessons that are meant for average golfers. 
And, uh, and the pros on demand is another piece of it where you sort of have a, a live uh, interactive community with great teachers where you can uh, ask questions, send in your swing. So a lot of great stuff going on. You know, Golf Digest has always been a great brand in golf, and it, it's synonymous with game improvement and golf instruction, and uh, we're taking it to the future. I agree. I, I'm excited. The next thing that's coming, be on the lookout. I'm going to send you several videos of my putting. I have a little D-cell going on right now, Peter. I need oh, some help. Oh, man. You've already diagnosed it? Are you sure you well, need I, our help? <laughs> I, I need a professional. It doesn't, it's, it's one thing to diagnose, but what, what's the remedy? Give me a remedy. Joe, it sounds like you're losing too much money on the golf course. That's the biggest problem, right? Your <laughs> buddies are skinning you every weekend, it sounds like. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> so, Peter, I know you guys have a library of videos from all of your uh, very best pros and, and instructors. How does somebody like me get their, get access to that video library? So we've created this program, Golf Digest Schools, and uh, essentially what we set out to do is create the best video instruction available. Uh, Golf Digest has always had these uh, relationships with the great instructors, Butch Harmon, David Ledbetter, Hank Haney, Michael Breed, and they've been in the magazine for 50 years. And the idea was, how do we take that to the future? So we started creating these long-form curriculum-style video programs. You know, there'll be 45 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour of content from one of these great teachers, all uh, geared to average golfers and the challenges and the desires of average players. So, you know, it's all it's all in the Golf Digest schools. And if you go to golfdigest.com slash all access, it certainly explains the program and uh, how you can connect with some of these great teachers. We're very proud of it. You know, it's it's the newest it's the newest iteration of Golf Digest, and uh, it's going to be a great thing going forward. It gets gets better every week. It sounds great. I'm I'm going to check out Leadbetter first. I need to get that putting under control. It seems like you really got an issue with this putting, Joe. Maybe we <laughs> should talk about this offline. I think it it could be more of a mental thing than a physical thing. I hope you're right, but the saying is putt for dough, Peter, and it's going in the wrong direction right now for me. It sounds like it is. Hey, we can help. Golf Digest is here for you. Okay, Peter, how do I sign up for this thing? All right, so you go to golfdigest.com slash all access, gives you all kinds of information on what's in the program, how to get started, and uh, Joe, it's life-changing stuff, or at least it's game-changing. That's I'm all, I'll accept game changing. We'll start with that. <laughs> so here it is. Visit golfdigest.com slash all access and use promo code Joe for 30% off an annual subscription. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? 
ease. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 